when Jesus shows his ID, a very simple title to make the point, if you want Jesus to show you his identification, he will show you his glory. He will show you his glory. That is who he is. That's what, as to his essence, as to his essence, he is the fullness of glory. How many long to see that? How many long to see the fullness of the glory of God? You know, that's what we're going to be looking at a glimpse, a small glimpse of that this morning in an occasion that's referred to as the Mount of Transfiguration. It's the final message in a series that Pastor Adam had actually started on Epiphany, the manifestation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at this monumental moment and we'll be reading the account from Matthew chapter 17. If you would like to stand and if you are able, please. The scripture from Matthew chapter 17 verses 1 through 13. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, folks, if I may pause and let's just think about what just happened. It has a humorous note to it but it's also very serious. I love these little details in Scripture. And while he was still speaking, God interrupted Peter. Do you see it? God interrupted Peter. Be careful we aren't talking when we ought to be listening. Amen? God interrupted a cloud envelops all of them. And we hear this proclamation from God the Father. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three synoptic gospels. That is recorded. Luke, and listen to him. And Luke adds, my chosen one. Verse 9. Or verse, excuse me, verse 8. Too much free time. Join me in verse 6, please. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, then why do the scribes and say that first Elijah must come? And he answered, 
Elijah does come, and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but did, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. Father, you are the master of taking chaos and confusion and making it holy and pure. So clear my mind, Father, and open all of our ears. We're not here to listen to a bumbling preacher. We're here to listen to you. Speak to us, O oh God, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. You know, Jesus was always taking his followers somewhere. They were always going somewhere. They were going up the mountain, or they were going back into the valley. They were going across the sea and into the eye of the storm and out into still waters. But mostly, you know where Jesus took his followers? To school. To school. He was always taking them to school, and that's what he does to us. Folks, there is never a wasted moment in this life. Everyone can be redeemed by a holy God. Every moment, whether it's in the peak of our joys or in the valleys of our lows, God can redeem that for his glory. And sometimes we don't understand it, but we must believe it. We must believe it's true. Never without a purpose, always on track with the cross before them. Just previous, previous to this account, in Luke chapter 9, as recorded, the last thing Jesus said in that little conversation, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Then we have the transfiguration. So let's join in one of the greatest Bible conferences ever held. How many would go to an event knowing that the warm-up speeches was by Elijah and Moses and the keynote speaker was Jesus? How many would go to that Bible conference? Someday we're going to get it. Someday we're going to be sitting at the feet of Jesus, bowing at the feet of Jesus, and Moses and Elijah is going to be there. Hallelujah. And Cliff Fisher will probably be around somebody older than him. <laughs> oh, my land. What an event. The first thing I want us to notice from this, this text, this revelation of Jesus Christ is the radiance. The radiance, the glory of his presence. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. This transfiguration, a neat word, a key word, metamorphosis, same one we find in Romans 12. It's a, a transition, a transfiguration, and, it, and, it, and it's important to understand that, that a metamorphosis is a change that originates on the inside and is visible on the outside. So Jesus was transfigured. Our Lord's glory was not a reflection. It radiated from within. 
As to his essence, he is the fullness of glory. And here we have Moses and Elijah and Jesus together. These are the big guns. This is the cream of the crop. Moses representing the law. Elijah representing the prophets. And Jesus who came to fulfill what? Both the law and the prophets. Do you see it? So we have Moses of the law, Elijah of the prophets, and Jesus, the one who fulfills it all. Remember on the road to Emmaus when he was going along with those disciples, he began explaining and revealing himself, and the scripture says he started with Moses, the law, and the prophets in explaining who he was. And what was Moses and Elijah talking about? Well, we don't have to guess. Again, if we refer to Luke's account, we know, and behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah. Now, before I read the next verse, I want to know, I want to know, this is one of those questions that ranks right up there with, did Adam have a belly button? This is one of those, you know, high theological questions. How did they recognize Moses and Elijah? How did they know it was them? They Google it, they have a... a Supernatural, I mean, obviously supernatural, it's a simple answer. But I thought, man, they recognized, they recognized Moses. There wasn't any portraits of these, pictures of these guys floating around anywhere. Yeah. Verse 31 of Luke chapter 9. Who appeared in glory, Moses, Elijah, who appeared in glory with Christ, and spoke of his departure which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Guys, they were talking about the cross. They were talking about the cross. Moses and Elijah standing there talking with the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God, talking about his death. Christ's destiny. Years later, John recalled this experience, and the Holy Spirit guided him to write, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen the glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. We have seen his glory, John says. What do you think he was referring to? That moment. That moment. You see, Jesus Christ laid aside his glory when he came to earth. In his high priestly prayer, John 17, 5, he set it aside. Because of his finished work on the cross, he has received back his glory, and listen to this, and now shares it with us. John 17, verses 22 through 24. However, we do not have to wait for heaven to share in this transfiguration, this, this metamorphosis. When we surrender ourselves to God, we will be transformed also. And we are being transformed daily into the image of Christ. As we yield to the Spirit of God, He changes, He transfigures us. From glory to glory, 2 Corinthians 3.18, as we look into the Word of God, we see the Son of God and are transfigured by the Spirit of God into the glory of God. Can I say that one more time? 
as we look into the Word of God, we see the Son of God and are transfigured by the Spirit of God into the glory of God. Somebody say amen. amen. Point number two, the revelation. We have seen the glory of his presence. This is the glory of his person. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we're here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses, one for Elijah. As he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son. Any questions? God just identified his son. Any questions as to who this is in this moment? And while all of this was going on, the three privileged disciples through much of the event were sleeping. Sleeping. Does that sound familiar? Didn't that happen again? Yeah, in just a very short period of time. Peter's suggestion really reminds us of the, of the Jewish holiday, the Feast of Booths. And in the Bible, that celebration was related to the future kingdom. Isn't that interesting? Peter wanted Jesus to hold on to the glory apart from the suffering. But this was not God's plan. The Father interrupted Peter by bathing the scene in a cloud of glory and speaking out of the cloud. I think he got Peter's attention at least for a time. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Then God the Father adds, listen to him. Do these words sound familiar? The baptism of Christ, the Spirit appeared and the Father spoke. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. God thinks a lot of his son, folks. He thinks a lot of his son but he was still willing to give him up as a sacrifice for us sinners. This is my son, Luke records, my chosen one. But all three gospel writers say, listen to him. Is there any doubt who is there with Moses and Elijah we have the radiance of his glory, the glory of his presence. We have the revelation of his identity, the glory of his person. And now we have the response, the glory of his power. The glory of his power. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus alone. What was their response? They fell on their faces, terrified. A pagan psychologist named Sigmund Freud claimed in his writings that this God person, even though he doesn't exist, he was invented he was invented, imagined by ignorant people who
who wanted something or someone to accommodate all their fears. How come this one who was just here to accommodate all of our fears scared to be be jiggers out of be jiggers? Is that Greek? Bejeebers. Bejeebers, there it is. That's the Hebrew version. Yeah, bejeebers. They fell on their faces as terrified. Remember them in the boat? Remember in the boat when Jesus stood up and calmed, he spoke to the wind and waves, and he said, be still, and it was. And the disciples were scared. They said, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey? This is our Jesus, amen. This is our Jesus that even the wind and the waves obey him. John would see the glorified Christ in a vision on the Isle of Patmos. And listen to this, please. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and in the kingdom and in the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on the account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And Jesus' face was like the sun, shining in full strength. And when I saw him... I fell at his feet as though dead. The glory of Jesus will put us flat on our faces. But he said, now listen to this and, and, and relate it back to the transfiguration. But he laid his right hand on me. Remember the transfiguration? But he touched. He touched us. He touched us. Guys, this is a moment. This is a moment that, that needs to go down and must be. It is recorded in history, but we must understand it. You know, in the, in, in the, the Sistine Chapel uh, in, 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 at the Vatican, I, I remember standing there and looking up at the great portrait, uh, the Michelangelo uh, portrait of the hand of God reaching down and touching the finger of Adam. This is it. This is it. This is, this is where, the, where the song comes from. He touched me. Brothers and sisters, I appeal to you this morning. Have you been touched by the living God? Have you been touched by the glorified Christ? Has he touched you? If he has, you were changed forever. You cannot be touched by deity and remain the same. We will be transformed. Transformed. He said, fear not, 
I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. There is only one reasonable response to encountering the glory of God. Collapse. Collapse. Just your knees are just going to buckle under you. And we're going to go down. But you see, my friends, I am fearful that we have lost much of that fear and reverence in modern Christianity. And I say modern Christianity, not authentic original. Does, does the presence of God still strike? And I'm not talking about paralyzing fear to be afraid of. Oh, no, no. I mean reverent fear. Reverent fear where we're just overwhelmed with the presence and the power of God. That me, a mere human made from the dust of the earth, can actually stand, kneel, fall in the presence of a holy and righteous God. My creator and sustainer is bound to put us down. Moses wanted to see the glory of God. What happened to him? God stuffed him in a clevis of a rock. Remember that old movie? I don't know. I'm, I'm having terrible flashbacks. I'm, having, I'm, I'm digressing. That old movie, you can't stand the truth. But, yeah. Tell, Moses, you cannot stand to see my face, but I'll like to see my backside as I pass by. And so God passed by, and Moses got a glimpse of the backside of God because he couldn't look him in the face, and survive. Oh, the power of Christ. What a text. Elijah wanted to have a little pity party on, Mount, uh, on the mountain one day, and he, he had hidden in a cave feeling sorry for himself, and the Lord called him out, and there was wind, and there was earthquakes, and there was fire and everything, and he stood in the mouth of the cave, and God just spoke softly. Hey, Elijah, I'll paraphrase the whole thing. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. I've got plenty of prophets in reserve. You're not in this all alone. And besides, God alone is a majority. Elijah experienced the glory of God. So here now, in final, we have Moses and Elijah and John and James and Peter that have all witnessed the glory of Christ, and none of them were ever the same. In John 1, 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son, the Father, full of grace and truth. James 2, 1 records, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Listen to these words of Peter recorded later in his epistle. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. What's he talking about? He's talking about this moment, the transfiguration. We were eyewitnesses to his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain. It made a difference in Peter's life. It made a difference. Fourth point and very quickly. We've had his radiance, his revelation, his response, and now the topic of the discussion, Moses, Elijah, talking to Jesus about what? 
his death, the cross, the reconciliation, the glory of his purpose. And as they were coming down on the mountain, Jesus commanded them, tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, then do the scribes say that Elijah, why do the scribes say Elijah must come? And he answered, Elijah does come, and he will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at the hands, at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them about John the Baptist. Moses and Elijah with Jesus talking about his exodus, his departure. And the word translated into Hebrew is exodus, that he would accomplish at Jerusalem. His suffering and death would not be an accident, but an accomplishment. Peter used the word exodus in describing his own death, 2 Peter 1.15. For the believer, death does Excuse me, for the believer, death is not a one-way street into oblivion. It is an exodus, a release from the bondage of this life into the glorious liberty of life in heaven. We're going on an exodus someday, guys. Everyone who has confessed Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior is bound for an exodus out of the quagmire of this thing called earth and into a glorious land flowing with milk and honey. You want to be in the promised land, hey, you got to see glory. you got to see glory. Peter could not understand why the Son of God would submit to evil men and willingly suffer. Listen, please, in closing, the transfiguration was God's way of teaching Peter that Jesus is glorified when we deny ourselves Take up our cross and follow him. Remember where we started, Luke 9, 23? This is the lesson for us today, folks. Listen, please, again. Remember, Jesus took everybody to school, right? Well, he's taking us to school, teaching us things. The transfiguration was God's way of teaching Peter that Jesus is glorified when we deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. The world's philosophy says, save yourself, but the Christian philosophy is, die to self. Die to self. As he stood there in glory, Jesus proved to the three disciples that surrender always leads to glory. First, the suffering, then the glory, first the cross, then the crown. Hallelujah. Each of his three disciples would need this important truth. James would be the first disciple to die. John would be the last of the disciples to die. But he would go through severe persecution on the Isle of Patmos, even on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter's still trying to tell Jesus how to do it, isn't he? Still trying to tell Jesus how to do it. In the garden, he would try to detour Jesus and fight for his release. You see, we have reconciliation with God the Father because the Son submitted to the Father's will. Now we must submit to the Son as the Lord of glory. Then something miraculous happens to us. And Moses shows up again in this passage, and I close with this. Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory, 
that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. Please track along with this. We're, 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 we're following the law into grace. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will, it, will that is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened, for to this day when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. Because only through Christ is the veil taken away. Follow me, please. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Hallelujah! The veil is no longer there. Christ is now sharing his glory, and it's his glory, not ours. Please understand that. It's his glory, not ours, but we become partakers of his glory. The veil has been removed, and we are being transformed, metamorphosized, <laughs> into the very image of the glory of God. Whoa! Is that awesome? And we with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is spirit. My brothers and sisters, my friends, if you have never encountered the Lord of glory, I would invite you to give serious consideration for that. Just as surely as Jesus invited these three disciples to ascend to the mountaintop, he also called them to go back to the valley because that's what ministry is in the valley. But in that moment, those three men were given a glimpse, and I'm talking just a glimpse, because someday, Someday the radiance of the glory of Christ will illuminate the universe. There will not be any need for a moon or a sun or stars because his light alone will eliminate all that is. That's the fullness of the glory of Christ. And right now he is sitting at the right hand of the Father in glory waiting to hear the Father say, go get my people. Go get my people. It's time for the exodus. Amen. Do you see it? It's all coming together right there. It's time for the exodus. And then the eastern sky. The eastern sky is going to be illuminated. And he's going to appear. Appear in the heavens. And he's going to say, 
Come on. Come on. Time to go. Everything's ready. It's time. Now, the first thing he's going to have to do, J.D., is pick us up off the ground. <laughs> because when he appears, we're all going to fall down. We're all going to fall down. But he's going to touch you. Can you imagine a pitiful human like me? But now think about God himself. God himself is going to touch us. And Jesus Christ, the Lord and King of glory, is going to wrap his arms around us and say what? Welcome home. Welcome to my home. You in my house now. pray that you have come to that point where he has literally put you on your knees as, as he's done for many of us and we've just fallen before him and say Lord I'm a sinner I'm a sinner and I have no hope beyond my sinful state if you don't forgive me I claim now to believe in your sacrificial death I believe in your shed blood I believe in your death I believe in your glorious resurrection and I believe that you're coming again Lord save me and you will at that moment experience the glory of God let's stand as we have our song of invitation thank you for letting me go on for a few extra minutes <laughs> but I want you to know this Jesus is coming Amen. Jesus is coming yes. and it will be a glorious day